We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, nearly recovered and ready for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, what a what a start to the season it has been. I um, uh, so we we just recorded this episode with uh, the one and only Chip Murphy of uh, Knicks State of Mind podcast. As we always do, we have him on to talk a little magic with the magic coming up because. Uh, as I say on the pod, he's the only person in the universe who follows both the Knicks and the Magic religiously. Um, great conversation. You'll enjoy this. Uh, but yeah, I'm recording uh, this introduction uh, about 23 hours, 22 and a half hours after tip off of game one. And as I sit here and I still speak into this microphone, I I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I still don't know what to make exactly of what we witnessed. Um, all I do know is that I'm very happy they won that game uh, because, man, would I not have wanted to live in the world that would have been left if they had not won that game. Um, if you want to hear my thoughts about it, don't forget, if you haven't already, to check out um, the post game live stream. Uh, on your podcast feed, or if you want to go and watch it on YouTube, that's fine too. Had a lot of great conversation on that. Uh, we got a lot of great um, stuff in the chat, super chat. And uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot in terms of postmortem other than what I say on this episode. Um, I will just say one and oh, baby one and oh. <laughs> and on that note, uh, let's get to my very fun conversation with Chip Murphy. Joining me now. On the next film school podcast, a I gosh, I'm gonna go with six time returning guest. That would be my if you had to if you put a gun to my head and you said how many times has Chip Murphy been on the next film school podcast out of 400 and whatever episodes we're on? I would maybe that's a little light. Maybe it might be seven or eight. I have a feeling it's seven or eight. In, in any case, I've already introduced him, but I'll keep introducing him. This is what I do. Uh, he is. The uh, he is he's many things. He's the founder of the Couch Critic new newsletter on Substack, which is very good. Uh, he's the co-host of the Nick's State of Mind podcast, and you can catch some of his writing at uh, Nick's Fan TV. Their their site over there. My good friend Chip Murphy. Hello, sir. 
Thank you, John. That was the nicest part of the intro. I appreciate that. My good friend. I appreciate that. <laughs> what, what, no, I mean, I, I should. We have to keep running. Like, I'm sure there are people who do this for like Saturday Night Live. Um, if anybody's listening out there and wants to go back and like add up all the times that certain people have been on. Um, Jeremy doesn't count because Jeremy is a, a, obviously <laughs> co-host now. But like, I think it's got it's either you or Fuddy. Fuddy, I think, probably has you by one or two, but you're, it's close. It's close. Yeah, I was the the magic. The first magic episode was a long time ago. Now that I think about it, it, it was at least two years ago, probably. Right. Well, we we could probably go back. I'm sure this is thrilling listening for our, for everybody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care. We could probably go back and see when the Knicks play the magic during the 2000. Uh, Andrew, help me out here. 1920 season. Tw- no, 18-19 season. That was the first year that we did the pod. 2018-19 season, I think. 1920-2021. Yeah. So whenever they first played the Magic that year was probably the first time I had you on. So definitely probably. qualify for OG status. Yeah. I remember the first time I came on the podcast, I was kind of nervous. And now I just like have coffee here. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just talking it's, to John. It's, 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 difference between us. it's five in the afternoon. You have a coffee. I have a beer. <laughs> La- ladies and gentlemen, John of the Macri and Chip Murphy. Um, so uh, we, we, we always do this. It's a, it's a, it's a annual tradition, semi-annual tradition. I don't know what it is. Uh, when the Knicks play the magic, uh, if there's an opening in the schedule, which uh, there certainly was this week, we bring you on because you are the one person in the entire universe who follows Two teams in the NBA, much more than any other, and it is the Knicks and the Magic. So um, we're going to get some Magic talk in a bit. But first, it, again, I said it's five o'clock. We're recording this on a, what is it, a Thursday. I, I'm still, I'm still like, if like the mental state that I am like three hours after a normal game, I'm in that mental place now whatever it is, 18, 19 hours removed from the opener. Where, where are you at chip after, after that game? That was amazing. Yeah. I mean, just the whole thing, obviously Obi Toppin was so much fun to watch that, but just Ooh. wait, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the player on the Knicks. We'll get to Obi Toppin. We'll get to Obi Toppin. You can have your fun with Obi, <laughs> but just, I mean, Evan Fournier for me personally, I just love watching him play like that. And you just got the whole Evan Fournier experience. I was saying to myself in there, like the entire Fournier experience. I think you wrote in your newsletter, he missed five straight shots too in between. In overtime and double overtime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and there was a turnover in there too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And not even that, like I was rewatching the the third and fourth quarters today and he references actually in the post game, where he had a wide open, maybe it wasn't a proper corner three, but it was like just off the corner, wide open, bricked it. Obi gets the rebound right back out to Fournier. Fournier, mm-hmm. without hesitation, fires it up again, bricks it again. Celtics come down. They score. Yeah, well, I mean, he had look, a one-track mind last night. But how but... do you complain? He, en- he ended up, what was he, six for, I'm going to say six, six for 13. So, yeah. look, you're, you're, you'll take that every, every night. Um I like him a lot. I did not realize he was this good on defense. Um, no, I, is that a that's a thing that I I guess I've I've been here I've been sleeping on Evan Fournier. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. Zach Lowe was too when the Knicks signed him. So everybody pretty much was. 
Yeah, I mean, people were calling him overrated. It was so weird. Like, it's I, I, overpaid, I mean, overrated. I didn't get that at all. But, I, you know, I guess that's, you know, maybe a good transition. We'll talk a little bit more about this game. But when you play in a place like, like where we've never done this, rank the NBA like witness protection cities. Yeah, I feel like Orlando, mm-hmm. Orlando has to be in the bottom five, right? Mm-hmm. With definitely, Andrew, can you chime in here? What what I'm I, I'm curious to get. We should each on the spot. We're doing rankings. Here we go. The, the contenders are Orlando, Sacramento, Cleveland. If I'm, by the way, if I'm offending anybody from any of these cities, um, I don't feel bad. Uh, and I'm probably forgetting. And Minnesota has to be on this list. Indiana. They've been, they've been, I think they've been good enough for long enough that I feel like they, they have earned probably like they're a basketball town. Um, Can I say one in there that Please. is a wild card, but recent, like as of recently, it's obviously changed, but would Brooklyn oh, have I, been one before yeah. the Katie Kyrie, James Harden Renaissance? I, I feel like when, when they moved from Jersey, look, nobody hates it. That's more than me. I feel like uh-huh. once they moved from Jersey, they kind of escaped that. Are you sure? Because I don't know a lot of people that were having like Karis Levert, Joe Harris conversations until that first year when D'Lo showed up, made the all-star team, and then they made the playoffs. You know? No, that's fair. In the same way that like Mitchell Robinson's stock gets inflated because he plays for the Knicks, Jared Allen's stock was on the low because people didn't know he also played in New York. But, but people were having conversations about how nobody's having conversations about the Nets, even after they moved to Brooklyn, whereas nobody was having conversations about the fact that nobody's having conversations about the Magic or the Cavs or the Kings. That was, that Is that too? Ins- am I being too harsh? That was inception there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, Chip, you 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 have we've, we've heard the story before because you you're a dookie, you know, Reddick, the whole thing. Yeah. Do you think this team gets like the proper amount of attention or you just think they're off the map for a reason? Orlando, I think they've gotten the proper amount of attention recently. Yeah, I think until they get good again, they're like every other small market team. They're going to get the proper amount of attention for a small market team. And that's none. Like if the, <laughs> when the Utah Jazz were terrible in that brief moment in between, you know, when they got Gordon Hayward and they, no one talked about them. And now the only reason people talk about them is because. They're good. And now, you know, in between when Denver got Mello and Jokic, there was a long time when you never heard anyone talk about the Denver That's Nuggets. Call. That's and a good now call. they are right at the top every single day of everybody's uh, topic list. You know, everybody wants to talk about the Nuggets. They're fun to watch. But when I like the thing about small market teams is you can be bad, but you can't be boring if you're a small market team and bad. You have to be bad and entertaining. And the magic, the magic have always been bad and boring. No, I would actually go so far as to say it, the, they're most put this year recently, aside. Recently, yeah, the, they've been bad. This and year and Sorry. last year aside. Before that, they were boring and like mediocre, which is that's yeah. maybe the worst place you could be in the NBA. Yeah, is, is to be boring and mediocre. But no, but you're, you, you know what? You're, you're spot on because people forget, like, even after the, I mean, Sha- you know, when Shaq and Penny were there, they were, it was the, the hot, you know, it was the most paid attention to, team in the league, but like, you know, almost got Duncan Hill McGrady. Like that remember that when that trio almost happened. Um, and then for the Dwight years. So yeah, no, it's a good call. Well, whatever it is, Fournier, I did not expect this from him. Um, 
I'm wondering if he's going to be a guy that Nick fans, some Nick fans love him, some Nick fans hate him, or if everybody is just like, we love, he, like almost, I'm going to invoke the name of your patron saint, J.R. Smith. Is he going <laughs> to be like a J.R. Smith yes. figure? Yes, yes, yes. That's, you think yes. that? Okay. Yeah. I think he is. I think he's definitely going to be a guy that drives some fans insane sometimes because there's going to be games where Mark Berman writes articles that's like, why is Evan Fournier taking more shots than RJ Barrett? Yeah. And it's like, why is Evan Fournier eight for 23 and RJ Barrett only took 12 shots tonight? Yeah. And some fans are going to be like, you know what? That's a good point, Mark. Why did that happen? Like, it's gonna, I was going to make a joke. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, that, that's just going to happen sometimes. And, you know, if Tibbs is always going to prefer a guy like Fournier because you saw with Fournier's defense, I can't imagine how much Tibbs loved the way Fournier competed on that end. So he's always going to love a guy like Fournier. I, I always get no shit. I always do this. I'm, I'm always looking for an excuse to get the point guard off the floor. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> but I'm like, maybe we run a switch everything lineup of Obi, Randall, Fournier, RJ. And I'm like, I don't know. Can we throw, could throw Grimes in there? Uh, Grimes he, could. He got the Frank minutes last night. The Frank seconds. Frank, fr- no, <laughs> no, no, no. Frank milliseconds. Milliseconds, yeah. It was, it was literally a tenth of a second. I'm actually, I was... As that, so for anybody who, who may <laughs> have forgotten this like moment in the game, they inserted Grimes for defensive purposes with six point whatever it was in the third quarter. I think it was third quarter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Fournier, speak of the devil, Fournier got a little too aggressive and fouled uh, Brown as they were inbounding the ball to him. And I thought they were going to call an out of bounds foul for a second, which would have been. Uh, uh, two in the ball, I think. So that would have been a fucking disaster. But yeah, so congratulations to Quentin Greg. Whatever. I, I like I like Fournier's ball handling. I, the only thing I hesitate in terms of fans ever really going against him is he, a like you say he plays defense, he plays hard. I, I if his shot profile stays the way it's one game. So, but if his shot profile stays the way it was after one game, I think we're all going to be pretty happy because he was either at the rim or he was behind the arc. If, like if he does that and he goes eight for 23, it's like, all right, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. Yeah. He, I agree with you on that. I think he had a tendency in Orlando to take bad shots, but, and I talked to you about this. I think yeah. the last time I was on, you did. this was, this always felt to me more like he was doing that because of the talent around him yeah. or the lack of us. This was especially after Vooch got traded. He just, turned into a real chuck and the, the between him and Terrence Ross, who, yeah, who, who oh, had the title of like, Oh, I love Terrence Ross though. I really love I wanted them to trade for Terrence Ross this summer. Yeah. But no, I, I think Fournier is going to be a very interesting topic with Nick's Twitter because there's going to be games when he plays like this, he's going to be able to win you games. And then he's going to be games. There's going to be games when he's really off too. And he drove a lot of Magic fans crazy, but I think that was more because they wanted to see their team go with young guys last year. Well, and that's not the situation we have here. Yeah, well, not here. It's the situation they have, obviously, in Orlando still. But so this actually is. I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic about this here. If like there's too much talent here to for him to be able to pull that off, and like. Obviously, we don't know the interdyna- the interworkings and dynamic of the of the Knicks locker room, but I, I have mm-hmm. to think like Fournier is not going to be the guy to take twenty plus shots if he doesn't have it going. 
not with not with whatever not, you know to, to say nothing of the fact that Tibbs, I think Tibbs is going to trust Fournier. I think you already trust him probably as much as anyone on the team, not name Julius Randle and and maybe RJ Barrett. Um, but like you know, I could see there being games where like let's say Burks has it going, let's say Emmanuel quickly has it going, like maybe Fournier, you know, isn't out there down the stretch. That wouldn't would it shock you? Wouldn't shock me. No, I wouldn't shock me if. The only person who it would shock me wasn't out there down the stretch is Julius Randle. Is right. I think Tibbs is anybody else's fair game to get benched. With well, Tibbs. good transition, uh, Andrew. I'm going to require your services again. <laughs> is this the part of the show where you get your flowers? I'm not. Listen, I don't want any flowers. <laughs> I don't want any flowers because the first thing I will sit here and acknowledge, admit, make sure everybody's on the same page about. The Knicks were not down one center yesterday in, in their opener. They were down two centers. And if, lest anybody think that we would have seen what we saw if either Nerlens Noel or Taj Gibson had been healthy, I feel like I'd be talking out of my ass if I, if I said that. <laughs> what, what do you guys think? Do you think we would have, he would have gone to that if either of those guys have been healthy? Chip? No. No, you don't. I, don't think, I don't think he ever would have played with Julius if those guys were healthy. Uh, just based on... You know, just based on his entire coaching career. <laughs> the entire emphasis of my pushback to the notion that Obi would play the five or play with Randall stems from yes. an entire season of seeing number six play and consistently hurt this team, but it made Tom feel comfortable. Yes. He had to go to an, an uncomfortable place last night which was put a non-traditional center on the floor. And what I'm hoping is that the 2021 mind that's on his staff shows him, hey, it worked, and that they go to it more often. However, the pecking order remains. He's got three guys ahead of him in the depth chart at center as far as Obi Toppin goes. So we'll see when, like like you guys said, when this roster is healthy, we'll see if it actually happens. I. So we should also say that Again, to be very clear, and A, Andrew, this is not revisionist history. You've always been very clear about your reasons for doubting the uh, Obi Toppin explosion. Um, but to be, I didn't doubt the explosion. I no, I, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I agree with him. So I feel the need to come right, to his like, defense. We all want to see yeah. it. It's a no, Tim's thing. <laughs> I, I'm agreeing. With, I'm just saying the reason okay. you, trepidation had nothing to do with Toppin himself. We should also point out that Tibbs went to a, a guy who would, some people thought wouldn't have been was not going to be drafted and ended up going 58th. You went with him oh, in yeah. the first half. It's like he went to Jericho was, Sims when first. that happened. Yes. I was like, oh my god, he's really doing this. Yeah, was Were really you on John's? So John does his halftime zoom for the newsletter, and apparently, I so there's a lot of backstory here, but I'll explain it. So apparently, John at the halftime zoom for all the newsletter paid subscribers said he's disappointed in Tibbs for not going to wow. the. And that's we did a bold predictions pod with the locked on Knicks guys this weekend. Oh, stop. And it. I, I didn't <laughs> I get to make mine. I didn't get to make mine, Chip. My bold prediction for this season is that by the end of the year, John will turn on Tom Thibodeau. Never. Wow. John will turn on Tibbs because he'll be so frustrated that we're seeing Nerlens and Taj. Well, not Taj, but see, that's where the argument falls apart because if it means more Taj minutes, then it's oh, going to yeah. be okay. <laughs> but, yeah, but Seeing no, Obi play 12 minutes and we're stuck behind three centers when you saw it works when they go small. John will, I'm, I'm I, it's already festering because he's got the campaign for Obi out there. Yeah, we just did a prediction on our pod for Obi's minutes. And I think me and Danny both landed at like 
12 or 11 or something 12 or 13 something like that it's not gonna be 12 or 13 it's i I tell you right now it's like it can't be 12 or 13 it absolutely cannot be 12 or 13 that that it's just as an average it can't be that low because he's going to get time in in there'll be there will be garbage time there will be games julius is in foul trouble maybe games julius randall misses like the average is going to be higher than that i think what you're where you're probably with the 12 or 13 is like all things being equal, Julius is healthy. The centers are there. Um, it's a close game. Are, are we going to see um, Obi for as few as 12 or 13 minutes, which would mean that Julius Randle is playing, do some quick math in my head, uh, 35 minutes, Yeah, which is, I think, about what we would expect, give or take a minute or two. Um, so if you want to get higher than 13, 14 minutes, you have to play the two of them together. Here's the only thing I'll say. In my defense, and this is why I think again, I'm not getting. I'm I'm staying on this hill. I will die on this hill. It, there was no reason to know if you're Tom Thibodeau. There was reason to hope. There was no reason to know that that alignment was going to work last season because Obi Toppin was a rookie, and quite frankly, he was bad. He was very bad for stretches at a time. And we were always like, well, if he played him more, maybe he wouldn't be him so bad. That conversation has has changed now because now it's like, oh wait, no, he's not bad anymore. He's good. He's good at both ends. He could do stuff. I just. I just wonder how that changes the equation, especially when, and I don't want to turn this into a, I'm I'm going to shit on Noel, Noel's a well fest. When the other guy that is, you have there, Nerlens, like, you know, he, he's, he, he is what he is. He's a very good backup center. That's it. Right. Like if that's the alternative, then what, you know, maybe can, we can find those extra five minutes a game. That's all I'm saying. So. What is Obi then? If Neurons is a backup center, what's Obi? Obi's Obi. Obi's, I mean, he, I, what I love about him is much like Julius Randle, I'm not sure he fits into any box. Like watching him play, like he, it's like we keep saying, like Julius Randle plays more like a wing than a forward. I, like, I kind of feel the same way about Obi Toppin. The way he moves, the way he like glides around the court. I mean, obviously his, his athleticism and the fact that he throws down these dunks is incredible, but, um, and I, I don't know. Can I ask another hypothetical for you guys? Because we always sure. need to need a scapegoat, scapegoat as New York sports fans. Just go to literally any team. We need yes, a scapegoat. So there's been a lot of talk about how there's no scapegoat on this team. Is Noel a sneaky candidate for that? There were stretches think? last year. They put him in the same conversation as number six. Yeah, it could be. I was... I was honestly, I was a little concerned that Fournier was going to be a, a sneaky scapegoat I, about I was, taking, I was taking shots away from RJ. People uh, rushing to that possibility just because I'm such a big fan of Fournier's. I'm a little concerned about that being a possibility. But yeah, Noel's a possibility. Just what I mean, what if he bumps Mitch out of the starting lineup or something wild like that? I, I don't see it happening. I'm not saying that. I think that would be, uh, yeah. especially after what we saw last night. Mitch I mean, is clearly back to form. Talk about but, burying the lead. Yeah, he's Mitch yeah. Is good. <laughs> yeah, he looked amazing. That's the best he's ever looked, I think. Just or I think, as good as he's ever looked. There was a play, I put it in the newsletter today, where it's not that getting an offensive rebound over Jason Tatum is that impressive. Jason Tatum is whatever he is. He's 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, um, but he, like, he, he just, like, moved him like he was a ragdoll. Yeah, he just, like, he entered his too, space Tatum. at... Was that yeah. Tatum's strong too? I know. It's, I t- that's the yeah. thing. Tatum may look a little slight. He's he's muscular, and and Robinson moved him out of the way like it wasn't there. Um, I I think it'll be Noel because 
they, they, my, my point, I wrote about this, I think it was last week or maybe earlier this week, is that he he depends so much on those splash plays and he had an opportunity to make so many splash plays last year because Mitch wasn't there. So it was like, you leave him in there for long enough. He's going to get, have those stretches where he gets you those like huge momentum shifting blocks uh, or, you know, he swipes it around for a steal, but I just, on offense, like he's, I mean, I just, he's not, he's, he's, he's a breaking case. I think for a contender, if, if he was on a contending roster, I think Nolan's a well as a guy, a breaking case of emergency, play him 10, 15 minutes here and there if you have to. That's what I think yeah. he is. We're not a contending roster, but that's a, you know, that's a position of strength. So we'll, we'll see. Um, anything else we should cover for last? I, I still, again, last night's game is, is still so fresh in my mind. Um, what do you think? think so, the char- unless you want to talk about Kemba, but I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I don't sure you don't want to talk about it. So I was like, I was on the mood to listen to something about the Knicks for my, my very short walk home. Um, and I turned on, I saw the athletics uh, daily ding had uh, their, their, they headlined, you know, or led off with the next game. And they, they, um, I had to laugh. They're like, maybe Kemba forgot which team he was on. Uh, at the end of the game. I, That's fine. <laughs> I went, I went back and watched it today. It's, it's not, they're not, none of them are good. None of the turnovers are good. Mm-hmm. And there was, and by the way, there was another one with like, I want to say two, two and a half minutes left of pass that like was very close to getting picked off. That would have been four. And then, and then the, the last play of the game of regulation, I should say, obviously I, um, I, I just can, can, can we just sweep it under the rug? Can we just move on and hope it it's never happens one. again? Game, game one. one, and thank God we won that game. Oh my God, what a terrible loss so, that would have been. Whatever, yeah. we, we won. It's yeah, over. We, we won. Won. Yeah. We're, we're, we're moving. I'm making executive decisions as the host of the show. We're moving on. <laughs> we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Knicks basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Knicks tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, Christmas Day against the Hawks, January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash film school today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com slash film school to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today. Good transition to the magic. What do you think the... um? Because I said this on the pod, my fear was that they were they would lose the Celtics game and then be a little unnerved and or shaky or whatever, and then maybe drop one of the Magic games. After the way they won that game, I'm not sure what the carryover is going to be to Orlando. What Chip? What do you have a gut feeling? Because I, I don't, I don't have a good feel. I think Orlando has no idea who they are yet, just because they're missing so many people. Yeah, I, I they just got. Spanked by the Spurs. I'm looking yeah. at the box over 123 and, to 97. Yeah. Granted, it was in San Antonio. Yes, but we they I watched most of that game and they got significant first quarter minutes out of Iggy Brazdakis in that game. You should have told and, me not to take a sip from yes, my drink before yeah, you. Said that, that. That's how injury, that's how banged up they are. You know, Jalen Suggs started, he wasn't supposed to. They're missing Gary Harris too. There, who was actually really good for them after they traded for him. And uh, obviously, Fultz and Isaac aren't back yet. There's still no timetable for them on when they're coming back, which they haven't really talked about that at all, which is concerning. I mean, Fultz, they just paid both of those guys. And I mean, the Fultz, Suggs, Anthony thing, they need to f- figure that out. But I don't think the Knicks should be worried about them right now. I think it's going to be fun to watch them. Uh, but well, it could definitely be fun to watch uh, Suggs and Cole and well, Bamba, man. Well, Bamba has been fun to watch so far preseason and regular season. He looked great again against the Spurs. So I'm going to, I, I was about to say, so the one guy that you could say had a really nice, well, no, Ross, other than being minus 32, which I don't know how much we should make out of that. Uh, Ross was five for 10 for 15 points. Um, but Mo Bamba was uh, 27 minutes, six for eight, 18 points, uh, only four rebounds, which is a little concerning for a man who's seven size. Whatever he is, but he also what, once did, had Trey Young block the block his shot and take the ball right out of his hand. So was it? He's he's come a long way from that. He's come. Bamba doesn't have way. the longest uh, wingspan in combine history, but I, I think he was close, right? 
had, did someone beat it? Cause he did when he went he to had the combine. It. Yeah. Okay. Someone may have beat it since he, since yeah, he was so, there. Well, four rebounds is, is, is not really what you want. No. So there, so they started <laughs> again uh, against the Spurs. They started Bamba and Carter, Wendell Carter Jr. Yes, who, who they went they big. And Wagner was the three. It was like that Cavs Markinen lineup. It was wild. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr. has experience playing in super big lineups yeah. from his days in Chicago. So it's probably what. So they went with the two of them. Carter had a decent game too. I'm just looking. It was five for He's ten, thirty play, points. Yeah. yeah. Um, Franz Wagner, the rookie, he was whatever he was, the ninth pick he in the draft. He looked good. He looked good. Six for nine. Now here's the not so good. Uh, the aforementioned Iggy Rosdakis. Mm. Sorry, Iggy. Two points, one of six from the field, 0 of three from deep. And then Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs combined um, six for 26. Again, not really what you want um, from your starting backcourt. And then I, this is to be, again, this is hysterical. I had no idea that Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner's yes, brother, yes. was even on this team. Yes, they got both from Wagner brothers. How great yes. is that? And I love uh, they have Robin Lopez too. And Robin Lopez. Can't wait for Robin Lopez. <laughs> and and of course R.J. Hampton, who is I guess still intriguing. Although he he was he was too afraid as well. So the, look, you you said it. This team is bad, um, and they are maybe very very bad. Um, can think, they beat a team like the Knicks? I'm I don't I. I, I I can't believe I'm asking that question, but no, can they beat a team like so. the next? Not this early you don't think in so. the year before they have any idea what they're doing yet. Yeah. And they just have no shooting, like no shooting at all. I just don't see how they, I think the only way for them to get lucky and beat a team significantly better than the Knicks is shooting. Right. And who, who's going to get hot for them? Like I, last night, their, their best three point shooter was Bamba. And I oh my mean, God, I'm just looking. He was three for four. For yeah. Two. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Terrence Ross didn't really do a lot of damage from outside. So, and you know, I, they really with Ross and Bamba are, are their only really perimeter threats right now. So it's, I mean, Ross has killed us in the past. Like, yeah, if, that's, if, like you do have to worry about that. I was about to say, if Ross comes out one of these nights and is goes like seven for 12 from downtown, and this is a game in the fourth quarter because of Terrence Ross, I would be like, come on. Um, that would yeah, be- but I don't, you know what? Maybe I, maybe I worried a little bit too much because I don't looking at this lineup. I just, as long as the Knicks are, have, have energy. I, well, I wonder if that's going to be a factor. I wonder if the Knicks are going to be a little tired. Because they again they played this game on Friday night. Um, I believe the game is in Orlando. Um, I should I know I should know that, but I'm pretty so. sure the game is in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, because it would be weird if oh, yeah, it's in Orlando. Okay, yeah, it's in Orlando. They played the first game in San Antonio. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, so they got to travel a little bit. I it, maybe that's something that, but like I just I don't want this to be a game. I want this to be over at halftime or in the second quarter or whenever. You know. I mean, they're catching them at the, they're so much better than Orlando and they're catching them. They're missing everybody. I mean, they don't have, it's not just Fultz and Isaac. They don't have Harris. They don't have MCW. They don't have Chuma. Oh my God. I forgot. I forgot. They don't oh, have, they don't have oh, Chuma, one of Zach Lowe's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one of Zach Lowe's five most intriguing preseason players. Uh, uh, shot, take a shot. Um, can we talk about Isaac for a second? Sure. Uh, Basketball you, or non-basketball? <laughs> basketball. Okay. I love Andrew making the, that uh, gesture. Thank you, Andrew. Um, making sure where we were going was not where we were 
potentially going. <laughs> That's all I was saying. Listen, man, I'm a, I had a long day. I just want to come home, come home talk let's basketball. Talk, let's talk about Jonathan Isaac, the basketball player. I'm game. There are some regrettable Isaac Kyrie next, you know, yeah. <laughs> from a long time ago. No, but so that's I no seriously, but that's why I wanted to bring him up because you were I don't know if you were higher on Isaac than anybody I I know, but you you watched him and I, I feel like you came at your opinion, which was correct me if I'm wrong, very high of him yeah. with from an informed position. Um, he signed for I didn't even I thought he signed for four for eighty, and I was looking at it the other day. It's only four for sixty nine, mm-hmm. I think. Right? I think so. um, which is like. It's on one hand, he signed that contract coming off a, a torn ACL or whatever. I think it was an ACL. Right. And, you know, like what he, he's a guy, obviously, that depends on his athleticism. And this was not his first major injury. So there's all that out there. But at the same time, it's like you look at what guys around the league are signing for. And it's this is the magic. This is and this is the magic in the state that they're currently in. You know, you want to talk about a situation where if ever there was going to be, you have to pay a little bit more to, to keep the guy, right? Because exactly. he's staying here. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at that contract and I'm like, I know we haven't seen the guy in however long, but like, is I think I, I still like that contract. Yeah, I think it's a good contract. I mean, I think my first reaction is you're the Orlando Magic. What else are you going to spend the money on? What other player? Like, you're going to spend it on some big free agent signing that you're going to get. Like, yeah. you have a guy who wants to be there, who's a Florida guy, yeah, who is willing to commit to your franchise. You sign him. It's the same reason you sign Fultz. Fultz was yeah. loyal to you because the Sixers treated him like garbage, and you guys were willing to just give him the keys on day one. And he was like, "Yeah, I'll resign with you right now." Then yeah, you resign him because the guy's got serious talent and. Like Isaac, he's on a reasonable contract that's tradable. So it was, they were both good signings. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what they look like. I loved, um, and I, I have not watched as much of this, this person as I would have liked to over the years when he was in Chicago, but the Carter, the Carter contract felt like a good contract too. Four for 50 yeah. for a guy that was like, just like felt like every basketball nerd loved Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> coming out of Duke like early on and then his career just kind of went sideways, but like, look at everybody on that bulls. T- I, I, I don't, I don't know. Can we really judge anything from what the bulls have done the last few years? I don't, I don't really know. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like. If they go with this, if this, if they go with this Bamba Carter jr. Lineup against the Knicks, I, I think they're going to play it by ear with the starting lineup is my gut feeling. I think they went with the Bamba Carter Jr. thing because uh, San Antonio went with uh, Portal. So they wanted to go Portal okay. and McDermott. So I think they wanted to go big to match up there, I guess. But uh, sure, uh, why not? Maybe they'll go with matchups. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I honestly, like I said at, at the top, I don't think they have any idea what they're doing yet. They have so many injuries. I, I just don't think they have their. I think once he comes back and is healthy, I think Chuma will probably start. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's really before Isaac him, comes so. back, obviously. Oh yeah, no, sure. Yeah. Um, so, all right. This has made me feel a lot better. I needed this chip. I needed this from you yes. today to yeah. reassure me that like, after what we saw um, in, in game one with some, some uncertainties about the Knicks that they're, they're going to be able to probably take care of business. And then, I mean, fuck it. Let's just finish up with this. Um, then the Knicks play Philly. Oh, good. <laughs> I, 
and and in New York, now Philly looked very good in their opening night win um, against New Orleans, but I think New Orleans might be. I mean, man, oof. talk about a situation that is is not not too great right now. Oh, what um, a shock! David Griffin's not doing a good job. He's yeah. I would have never have guessed it. <laughs> um, the um, I feel like we we have to. It's it, we're contractually obligated as a podcast that is about the NBA to to mention um, Simmons. Did you see what Daryl Morey tweeted before? No, I didn't. What? Or excuse me, no, sorry, not that what he tweeted before. What he, um, excuse me, what he said before at a press conference. Uh, you want to talk about no. not beating around the bush? Um, so this is Daryl Morey on his timeline. You're gonna think I'm kidding. I'm not. This could go on for four years. We're in the prime of Joel's career. Either Ben Simmons is playing for us, or we have to get back at difference maker. Just want to know, jump in and give real quick, Jay. Just want to jump in. Ahead, this yeah. was on 970, 97.5, The Fanatic. Oh, a, he actually went on their afternoon the drive right, show. Yeah. And it's, was it like, a, do you know the quote he said? Was it a regular appearance or he was like, I'm going to go on this show to talk about this? I think it was literally just an I'm going to go on the show to talk about this. I don't think the I don't think the GM has a regularly scheduled spot, but similar to how Cashman will go on yeah. the fan all the time. If there's yeah, something but, to talk about, clearly the Sixers have something to talk about. I'll do some digging to see if what what the specifics are of it, though. Except just, Cashman just makes stuff up when he goes on. Oh, that's a whole other <laughs> bag yeah. of worms. Believe me, every Yankee uh, fan in my life is annoyed ugh, that their standards God. are now just don't be the Mets. Oh you know? God, <laughs> we don't need we don't need to go down that disgusted by the fact that both those guys still have a job. Sorry, John. Yeah. <laughs> I, however. Oh, however the, to Ben to the Ben Simmons point, yes, the the direct quote as John just said is that this Daryl Morey's not budging if he doesn't get a difference maker back. And then there was there's an added part of this. People should buckle in. This is going to go a long time. I guess I just like. So let me be clear. I I, I don't think this is going to affect the Sixers that much, other than they're going to have one less like good basketball player because Simmons is going to be on the roster and he's he's not going to be in the game and like. I know um, Shake Milton is. I think he's still hurt. Um, he was. He was out. It didn't sound like he was coming back anytime soon. So, you know, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of Tyrese Maxey, um, who is very talented, but he's also young. So, what do you make of that? Um, I, but I like. I don't know. It, I don't necessarily think this is going to be the distraction to the team that maybe some people think it will be. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? I'm curious. I don't think it is. Joel Embiid said he didn't care about Ben Simmons. I don't, I don't care about that, man. I don't think the team gives a crap about Ben Simmons. I think they've moved on pretty much. It's it sounds like they've moved on, but I think it's, I think the Sixers just need to get a new guy in there. The, his trade value, they totally mismanaged so, that. Like, and I was thinking about this when you brought up Fultz, because so far the story on Fultz that has been written is something happened with him. He broke his shot or he with whatever, you know, for anybody who hasn't read your own Weitzman's book, it's a great book, Tanking to the Top. It's all in there about some work he did with a trainer that was his personal trainer and it went sideways, whatever. But it's been looked at as like more of a Fultz thing than a Sixers thing. And from the Sixers perspective, it's been, or from the Sixers side of it, it's been looked at as like, 
boy, they fucked up taking taking Fultz and not taking Tatum. Um, the way the Simmons thing continues to play out, I wonder if it's going to more be like this organization just doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and they looked into Joel Embiid and Joel Embiid is a, is that good that he's like, you know, and you could even look at some other stuff, the Harford contract, you know, um, I just, I don't know, man. Simmons over Butler. Picking, oh, picking, picking Ben Simmons over Jimmy. Like they did essentially pick Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. That's wild when you put it like that now. Yeah. Cause I mean, but at the time, I mean, I'm sure some people may have said it, but I, I was like, I, I didn't think that was like egregious. I Joel Embiid probably did just based on the, <laughs> what he thinks of Jimmy Butler. Joel Embiid loves Jimmy Butler, right? I think he, he would have preferred Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I mean, if you were a basketball player, who'd you rather play with? Ben Simmons or Jimmy yeah. Fucking Butler? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, so whatever. I, I by the way, Maxi in game one, Maxi had 20 points in game one. Wow. That's, Okay, well, 20 points, seven rebounds, five assists, eight of 14 from the field, two of three from deep. Hell of a game. It's um, why the actual conversation around the Sixers and Ben Simmons is Knicks related because Patrick Ewing played for the Knicks. And there may be a hint of Ewing theory here that addition uh, by subtraction is actually the best case scenario for the 76ers. It, <sighs> I can't believe you just put Ben Simmons in. I know you didn't put Ben Simmons in the same sentence. No, just Ewing, Ewing theory is Ewing theory, going with yeah, this. Yeah. If you want to call it the Bryce Harper theory, fine. They might Harper have gotten theory. better by yes, the fact yes, yes. that one guy that's considered one of their best players is not there. And now everybody can fall into their role. It opened up the path for Tyrese Maxey to play more minutes. And as we saw last night, it might have actually benefited them. Like, we'll see long run if like it actually means they go further in the playoffs. But... I don't know. I think the team's kind of adopted this philosophy of like, well, forget that guy. Like, that's a that's a very Philly thing, too. It is. They're they're just Boston, but south, you know? Yeah. And Embiid is very Philly. My brother lives lives in Philly. He says he sees Embiid walking Mm -hmm. around like he he just walks around in Philly. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I um, I here's the thing I don't get. And I'm sure there's an obvious answer to this question. I don't know what it is. Daryl is insisting on, we need to get a difference-making player. Okay, we know what Daryl means by that, right? That If Ben Simmons continues to not play, his value will not go up. If he, if he comes back and plays, it can't just be he's on the court, like going through the motions. He needs to not, he needs to look like a better version of himself than he was honestly, probably at most points last year. Cause last year he would like, forget the playoffs. He was like, he had an up and down season. So you're now asking this guy to be like, become like the best version of himself to increase his, like what, how is that going to happen? It's not going to happen. So like, where, what's the end game here? I guess for some team to do for some team to do something stupid, or maybe they're waiting out a team to get desperate. I guess during the season. That's the only answer, right? Like, yeah, I mean, is Portland the team? Maybe Portland? Look, man, if (laughs) saying that out loud, the notion that that they could get Damian Lillard. No, 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 not Dame, not Dame. Oh, sorry, but I don't don't think he, 
I think that trade would have happened already if Maury wanted to do it. That's my gut feeling. I don't know. Um, I guess I don't know. Maybe they were. Maybe they're waiting for for Sacramento to start out badly. I don't. I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I, I see a look on your face. No, I just think this goes back to last season. Maury's kicking himself. They didn't pull the Harden trigger. But as a result, now you then can't get a player worse than James Harden, and like he can recalibrate the value of. Ben Simmons going forward, but I don't think he'll, as you mentioned in the interview, he's not going to, like CJ McCollum isn't enough. Whatever the Kings would offer that isn't De'Aaron Fox isn't enough. Whatever the Timberwolves are going to offer that isn't Cat or Wiggins or apparently D'Lo isn't enough. Ben Simmons, and that's I think the, the bigger question here that you guys hinted at we're talking about Fultz. Fultz went to Orlando and you saw what happened when he was playing in the correct role, but in Philly, he was drafted to be the savior. And I think Philly has an overvaluation of their players problem. Ben Simmons is meant to be Draymond. He's not meant to be anything more than that. But is he willing to do that, though? It's a good question, which is why he's talked about it a little bit in his leaks to Shams that (laughs) he kind of needs to go to a place to clear his head. He needs to go to a place and lose a lot, but settle into the NBA player he's going to be, you know? And the overall thing about this that's Knicks related is that I'm just so glad it's not happening to us. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's been, it's been so we've had, we've had these moments. We've been the yeah. lead story on first take, you yeah, know, but not, we had not, de Blasio, we had Cuomo. We, it was sucked for a while, <laughs> but now we have the Knicks. <laughs> Thank you for, I, for, I was, I was going to forget the oh, real no, video. So great, greatest, great viral video by greatest uh, video of all time, but sidewalk, New York city sidewalk. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, Jesus, I'm trying to think of how, how Nick fans would react if the Simmons thing was happening here. I'm probably about as the same as Philly fans are reacting, which I imagine is not, not too well. Well, theoretically it, it almost, it could have, if they hadn't traded Porzingis as fast as they did, right. If they had let that, you know, it's a, it's a, what if nobody asks because who the fuck wants to think about it? But what if they like, what if it actually happened the way they said, but without the part about them like angling to trade him for a while before that, because that was they, they were looking to get rid of this guy. And, and as it turns out, as they should have. But like, what if it actually went down like we were blindsided? He walked in and he said he wanted to leave, and we said no. And it they took it to restrict the free agency. Like, how would that have worked out? I don't, I don't I think know. You, I think calling is bluff. Yeah, it's it, it's such a risk. With, but he's at the end of the day. Was he really worth it? To no, no he was. Not. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, and 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 you know, kudos to to Scott Perry and and Steve Mills for realizing he was not worth it. Um, yeah. So good, good job by them. And I think uh, to John's point, literally just do the hypothetical if it happens a year later that they've already extended him, like yeah. the Mavericks did the next off season. Then he walks in and is like, "I want to be traded." And the Knicks are like, you're under contract. Like, I'm sorry. You are well, the franchise cornerstone, then which is that's the, the situation, situation. The, Sixers, the Sixers find themselves in. Yeah, Well, not really, though, because the Knicks, I would assume, would be bad. Or I, I'm assuming would be bad in that also scenario. Also true, yes. But which as far what, as the player relationship and value is concerned. Which is, which is what makes this such a... I mean, it, I... I uh, I think Lowe said it on his podcast the other day, or someone of his guests said it on 
podcast the other day about <laughs> actually it might have been windy. I forget. I was I, I forget where I hear things. Those are, those are the two basketball podcasts I listen to. Where it's like, when has this ever happened before? Where a star, quote unquote, star player is demanding a trade off of a contender. It's so unprecedented because usually if a star player demands a trade, it's on a crappy team and you get draft picks. And like you'll find a team willing to give you a bunch of picks for the player. Like what Chip, what I think you nailed is that that Maury is counting on some shitty team for their season to start to go sideways and them looking at them in the mirror and be like, wow, my my boss is going to fire me. I'm not going to be able to like make this team's next draft pick. Who cares that we're losing all these games? Um, and then be like, oh, I know what I could do. I could trade for Ben Simmons. Um, But again, that team would need to have a certain type of player, which is why I don't... I I mean, how many teams do you put in that guy? I mean, it's Sacramento with Aaron Fox. It's... Who else? I mean... Minnesota D'Lo is the trade, right? Yeah, but they're not. But that again, if it was, I'm sure I gotta think that that trade. If they knew that they could get Simmons for D'Lo, don't you think they would have already done it? I guess, yeah. Well, yeah, probably. But it's not like they're gonna trade Cat for him. That's what I'm saying. They're not gonna trade Cat for him. They're not gonna trade Edwards for him. So that's why I don't even know that that. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe my daughter. <laughs> um, I, I don't even know if they're like a, a team that should qualify for for this conversation. I, it's really, I just there's. It's hard to figure out. You know, maybe you know what's here. This is a good place to end, Andrew. Maybe your boy. Maybe your boy Colin Sexton blows up, and that's hey, there you go. Love Colin Sexton. As far as I'm concerned, he's already blown up. You know, as Jeremy pointed out in the cap or no cap. He's a winning player on a losing team. So I, I, I will go off the brain and intelligence of my other old partner in crime, Jeremy Cohen, on that one. Yes. Let's talk about sex, baby. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know, here's what's going to happen. Marco Fultz is going to come back and look like an all NBA player. And then they're going to trade Simmons for Fultz. That's oh, the, my gosh. I'm rooting for that now. That's the NBA, that's the end game here. 100%. Although the the all time funnier part, Chip, is if they trade the Cavs do trade for Simmons and then they run a lineup out there of Simmons, Markinen, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and like Kevin Love. It's oh just hey, God. all of these guys are above six ten, and that's going to be our starting lineup. Just that's the, the next evolution of the NBA. The all misery lineup with yes. Simmons and Kevin Love. <laughs> oh yeah, the all misery team. Oh We're my God, be there. That. Oh, that's great. <laughs> That's and, and it's so Evan, funny. Go ahead. What? No, they, they traded away Larry Nance Jr., who's like the one guy in the history of the league who's like, I want to play with my dad. Yes. Like, <laughs> sent them fucking packing. <laughs> you can't write this shit. Oh, man. Yeah, it's fun to laugh at <sighs> other franchises now, isn't oh, it? Oh, God. And we're <laughs> like, our stress is like, was it last night's win really yeah. stressful, guys? Wow. <laughs> the journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Can I ask a, a, like a podcast hypothetical for you guys? Sure. Is, where does that rank? It's, it's super recency bias, but I was trying to think of the last time a regular season win made me feel those emotions. Is this, it was that like the most stress inducing regular season win since blank. Wow. Cause I don't have one from last season. Last season felt so, from the beginning to end so much so, house money that I had no real expectations. I was just happy to be there last night. Like John and I have talked about this a little off mic, Chip, that there actually did feel like there was something riding. Because say they lose that game, then they split with Orlando. Now you're one and two going into with the Philly coming in and actual like good opponents coming in the schedule. So getting that win felt like must win. Like it was important for building momentum going forward. And I yeah, just beat a playoff team. Right. Yeah. So as a and, a and a division rival. So as a yeah. result, where does last night's win rank for you guys in recent memory for regular season wins? Uh, I'll I'll say, um, look, I, I I think I could say this with some modicum of confidence. It's number one. It's number okay. one because it, 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 I'm not saying it's the biggest regular season win they've ever had. I just want to be clear about that. But oh, if yeah. you're, the way you phrased the question was like a regular season win that made you feel like that and go through those emotions because. While there have been games with batshit crazy stuff that has happened that they've pulled out, I don't know of another game that had the stakes that that one did. And that's pretty easy for me to say because there hasn't been a lot of games over the last 20 years that have had much stakes. If you go back to the 12-13 season, which is where my mind immediately goes to, like they started six, what was it, six and oh. Yeah. So and then it was a bumpy ride from there, but there was never a moment during that 12, 13 season where like, there were crazy games. Like the, the thunder game was a crazy game, but there was never a moment during that season where you're like, shit, they really need to win this game. Otherwise this thing's really going to go sideways. Um, the Kurt Thomas game. It's the only one I could think of. And even the, when Melo broke then, the scoring record, when right. Melo broke the scoring record was a great one. That was, so that's an individual moment during a lost yeah. season though, yeah. you know? But yeah, it, exactly. it didn't have. The, I didn't care what it the didn't. score was. I was just yeah. I I was how many just, points Mello had? And emotionally, like that was one of the few that I've been tapped into, like this one. Well, it's funny you bring up Mello because I'm with John and going back to 12, 13 was the the next closest. Like last season, I think the Memphis game is maybe the closest we got because it turned around. That would have been four straight losses. It was a moment for RJ, yep. and then it started the winning streak. However. I had to go back to 12, 13 and say, like, did I have a regular season moment that year that wasn't like a collective? This is great, but there's playoff expectations. So I actually either went back to mellow against the Bulls, that Easter Sunday game, which to an extent for for those of us in mellow camp that were like, this justifies all of mellow or to bring John back into the conversation. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Lane. I'm just getting shrapnel left and right here. Which is funny because this should have been your victory lap for OB <laughs> today. Um, the, the, show. the Jeremy Lynn uh, game against Kobe, which 
that felt like, okay, maybe this might be a thing. Maybe we did. Find oh, a point guard. that's a great Insanity. call. Insanity. Yeah. That's yes. a great call, Andrew. That's the legit euphoria I felt with last night's win, at least that you pulled out one of those games. You shouldn't have won. So, do they don't win in the past? You know? So the, um, I, sh- I, sh- I should know these by heart, but the, I think it might've been the first insanity win because the, like that season, the expectations for that 2011, 12 season were really freaking high mm-hmm. because it was now the first season with mellow and they had gotten obviously Chandler. And it was just like this thing like, Oh, we'll figure out the point guard position. Well, guess what? No, you didn't figure out the point guard position. They started out eight and whatever the hell, 14, 15, 16. It was abysmal. And it was, you're right. There was that moment where it's like, wow, we're going to go back to the dark ages again if we don't win a game here very soon. And then insanity happened. And um, that's a great call. Yeah. Yeah. And then because really because it went it went the Nets, which are still New Jersey, was the first game of insanity. He came off the bench. Then it went Utah. Then it went Washington. Because I remember the first three point guards he beat were whoever. The, I think Devin Harris was. No, it was never mind. It was uh, Darren Williams was in New Jersey. Then he beat John Wall. Then I forget who was in was in Utah at the time. And then it was like, okay, here's Kobe Bryant. Now go beat him. And he scores 37 against him. And that that led to what we now still know as insanity. Yeah. Um, can I tell you a random game that sticks out in my mind that we yeah, finish up? Is the I'm I'm looking at the 13-14 game log. Um because they, I was reminded of this on Twitter by someone the other day that they actually won the first game of that year. They they beat the Bucks, um, and then they lost a close game to Chicago, and then they lost um, a uh, not so close game to Minnesota. They were one and two, and again, remember the expectations for thirteen fourteen is like the team had just won fifty four games, like whatever. They got Barnani, wasn't an ideal offseason, but people still expected like, all right, they're going to be in the playoffs. And then the next game. The fourth game of that season was against Charlotte and Charlotte was not good. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, great. We're going to get back on track. Oh no, I'm sorry. And you know how I know this? It wasn't even the Hornets yet. It was the Bobcats. Bobcats yeah. The Charlotte Bobcats. And I remember sitting and watching that game. It was one of the first games I ever watched, I think with my wife. Um, and, uh, first regular season games I ever watched my wife because we had watched the previous playoffs and they lost that game by five points. And the Charlotte ended up being pretty good that year. Um, but I remember at that time, because like they had, they had uh, not been, not been great. I think the previous season. So that's a weird game. Yeah. They, they were 21 and 61 the previous season. Was that the year after the strike shortened or the, the shortened season, the 66 game season where they went seven and 59. I I be, yes, because the, the that season was. Yeah, oh no! Drafted, I think it may have been two years after. Because, yeah, so they went twenty-one yeah. sixty-one after because the, they drafted Kid Gilchrist. Oh, you yeah, know, you're right. 11, 12, 7 and fifty-nine. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Okay. And then the year after that, twenty-one wins, and then the year after that was when they finally turned it around. So look how far we've come, Chip. Look how far we, we the the whole middle of this decade now never happened. We're now worrying about playoff seeding in twenty twenty-one. And I. World. Can I nominate another 13-14 game? The yes, one where JR, The one where J.R. Smith hit 10 threes against the Heat, even though they lost in uh, April 6th. Oh, then it can't. Then I, I, it's nominated, but it lost the Oscar. Okay. They, they lost. They lost the game, but I remember going crazy because J.R. had a huge game. It was 
fantastic. You like the, the JR prototype. Okay. It Are was, you, it was, it was it's an it, April game. It was an April game. They lost and it was the 13, 14 season. It was the end of the year. We had nothing to cheer about. Remember? Well, no, they because just, don't forget they were the, they were one of the best teams in the league net rating and record wise over the last was they 18 were 20 games. They were 33 and 45 after they lost that game. No, because this was in April. Yeah, but I think, you know, it's because they ended up missing the playoffs. I know by one game that mm-hmm. season, um, I'm actually going to look up and see. I got it for you. Last 20 games, there were 16 and four. Is yeah. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm trying to find the game that you're that you're talking about. Um, I think I, I may have just found it. But yeah, no, I think. Um, yeah, they lost 102 to 91 and J.R. Smith went 10 of 22 from three. Yeah, it's <laughs> insane. What day was that? This is uh, April 6, 2014. That was their last loss of the season. Then yes. they, that, but I remember, I remember that because coming down the stretch around that time, like right before that game, it was like, okay, if they win out, they are going to be able to make the playoffs. And then I, rem- I, it sticks out to me because there was, even though they, lo- they won their last four games, there was like a lack of suspense around it because they, they were just, it was too much ground to make up. And I think that Miami loss was kind of viewed as the nail in the coffin. So that, that's a, that's a good, that's a good call chip. Poor mellow four of 17. God. Yeah, there's your, there's your no, no, no. Yes. Of Fournier right there is the yeah. mellow four of 17 games. Four of 17. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's a Laker. Yeah. Fits hey, right in with all those your, guys. Get your ring. 2000s. Get your ring, Mellow. He ain't getting a ring on that. He's not getting a ring on that. Will they even get home court in the first rounds, Chip? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Will Russell Westbrook move when he doesn't have the ball? We'll see. Shocker. Yeah. Shocker <laughs> that Russell Westbrook <laughs> is still Russell Westbrook, even when he's on the Lakers. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Okay. Um, yeah. This was great. Uh, I this is why this is why I love having you on because we always we just talk basketball uh, and it's the easiest conversation I ever have. Uh, Chip, can you just uh, do me a favor and remind the fine folks at home uh, where they can find more of you and your, and your stuff. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I'm on Twitter at chip Murphy seven and follow me for I'm on Nick's fan TV and uh, my newsletter is called the couch critic. Please follow that subscribe and uh it's i write about the knicks obviously and i'm writing about the nba i got something coming hopefully about ben simmons soon and uh about tv too i have some something about squid game i'm working on too Mm. Mm -hmm. andrew you'll be proud of me because andrew knows i don't watch any tv i sat i don't know what it was i had finished up a newsletter dolores was sleeping and i'm like uh, my brain was just like i i can't i have a half hour in me and i put on Squid Game. I have to oh, say, nice. I was I was pretty entertained. I watched most. I think maybe I I lasted more than that. I think maybe I watched most of the first episode. It was pretty good. Most popular show in Netflix history. It yes. is a revolution. What Squid Game became? Yes, most the most popular. Show. The yeah. most what? More than Stranger Things. More than House of Cards. Now there might be like the non Netflix thing yeah. IP like The Office and Friends and stuff sure. like that or Seinfeld now. But as far as Netflix original content, Squid Game's the number one ever watched. I, I want to keep watching. I don't feel like I need to keep watching. Well, I'm a little disappointed, to be honest, because <laughs> did you finish Ted Lasso? 
No, but I'm continue. I've I've continued to. Okay. I, I watched it. I think since we last spoke about it, I've watched another episode or two. I'm okay. almost. I think I'm almost done with season one. I almost want to make you cover your ears. No, I won't. Everybody knows how I feel. Everybody knows from my tweet what I how I feel about a certain character on that show. And Chip, you share that same sense. I feel the same way. Oh, I know exactly my- what you're mm. going to say. Oh, my God. When I saw the thing that I can't say because of John, when I saw the thing <laughs> on his desk. Oh, my God. I, I almost threw like, my tele- I almost oh, threw my remote. Now I can't wait. Now I, the thing on his desk. What is the thing on his desk? You'll see when you get to it, you're going to text me like, oh, fuck this guy. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, I get it, Claudio. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm excited. Oh, what okay. a jerk. Seriously. Um, I, I have homework to do. Um, all right. Uh, seriously, everybody listening, um, if you're not following Chip, you're missing out. He's a great follow and he's a great read. He's a great listen. You do awesome work um, in everything you do. And uh, I, I, we always love having you on, obviously. So uh, thank you. And let's have a, let's have a good uh, Knicks magic matchup. A couple of matchups. So, so much fun. For the Knicks, though. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's hope so. All right. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you for checking out this episode of the Next Film School podcast with Chip Murphy. And again, uh, go follow Chip. He's really good at what he does. He's a good follow um, and he writes a lot of great stuff and uh, he's just a great guy. So if you're in the uh, business of um, helping support people who are good people and do good work, go support Chip Murphy. Um, And uh, as far as what we have coming up, there will, of course, be post-game live streams after both of the next two games, both of which are against the aforementioned Orlando Magic. So make sure you either check us out live on the Knicks Film School YouTube channel for both of those or uh, check out uh, what we have on the podcast feed when we will go ahead and turn those episodes around. And then uh, me and Jeremy will be here to talk a little Knicks basketball in our usual um, episode dropping on uh, midnight on uh, Monday. I think that's it. Uh, If you like the show, leave a review. Give us a rating. Tell your friends. Subscribe. All the good stuff. We appreciate it. And uh, we will be back with more fun and games very soon. 